Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Hello and welcome back to the Grow Factor podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm the Connections Pastor here at St. Mark, and I'm joined by our senior pastor, Pastor Philip L. Pointer Sr. And we are in the middle of a series called Make It Make Sense. As we are looking to dig deeper in scripture this year, we're helping you all to grow in spiritual development as you work through God's word. So As we make it make sense, we've been talking about the ways we can study scripture and how you study scripture. So in this episode, we're going to help you all find Christ in bread, the unleavened bread and manna. You don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. So we are in the middle of this teaching session and series on make it make sense. And we've been talking about um, observation interpretation and now we're in the application section mm-hmm. but we want to help people to find Christ in the scripture uh, last time we talked about how the Old Testament New Testament kind of um, people have kind of their pet New <laughs> Testament passages and the Old Testament's kind of out there I remember uh, this weekend my wife was she was talking to me she said hey you you know you're part of the older generation and I'm like, you're only three years younger than me. That's funny. That is <laughs> you are funny. old millennial. Yeah, that's funny. So, so even the connotation of the word old mm-hmm. for a lot of people makes it feel like it's dated. Mm-hmm. It's not relevant. And so people avoid reading the, the Old Testament because they feel like it's not relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why my seminary professor, he would he would cringe when we call it the Old Testament. Yeah. He'd say, hey, this is the Hebrew scriptures. Yep. Uh, this is this is sacred scripture to even us as Christians because the foundation of our faith is based on Hebrew scripture. Mm-hmm. So changing that mentality was helpful for me because it helped me see that all of scripture mm-hmm. um, was relevant to our experience, and you have to make that connection to Christ in that. Yeah, I, I think in the same way, Old Testament, which really means covenant, mm-hmm. um, and New Testament, uh, some have called it the First Testament yeah. And, yeah. and and the New or the Second. And I think those terms help us to understand. Um, we're, we're talking about God's way of doing business, as it were, with humankind. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, without going into the particulars leading into the Law of Moses, primarily what we're talking about is the way God dealt with the children of Israel based on the law of Moses and the way God deals with humanity based on the law of love in Jesus Christ that is made possible through his sacrifice. And so um, they are necessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the old uh, conceals the new, the new reveals the old. Mm -hmm. Um, You cannot understand one properly without the other. Uh, And so it's, it's very important. And they both speak about Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they exactly. both they both explain our need for Christ and who Christ is and what Christ has done mm. and how we are to follow him. So the so you know Pastor John you talk about application when we talk about finding Christ in these uh passages uh that that you know we need historical bridges and cultural bridges to really understand um what are we trying to do? We're trying to trust Christ. Yeah. And follow Christ. Yeah. When I when I see this uh, what we'll unpack tonight, what, what we will unpack um, in our personal Bible study times is to see, especially when I see in the Old Covenant or the former uh, way God dealt with humankind based on the law of Moses, what I'm to see is um, that God predicted, planned, the, the churchy word ordained, <laughs> um, you know, ordered Christ into creation. And when I see these things relating to his life and his sacrifice, mm-hmm. it should affirm my faith in Christ yeah. and cause me to want to know him and follow him mm-hmm. uh, eternally. So that's that's the idea. As I, as I discover 
Christ is, 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 is illuminated to me, mm. it should strengthen my faith in Christ or bring me to faith in Christ mm. and then keep me on the path of following mm. Christ, which is when we say following, we mean more than just going to church. We mean right. being like, yeah. becoming more and more like Christ mm. each and every day. So that's, that's why it's important for us to do this. Yeah, for sure. And, and we've already dealt with Christ in creation and, and finding him in the creation account in Genesis. And last week we talked about um, the Exodus account. And you mentioned last week, and we talked about this last week, Exodus account isn't limited to the book of Exodus. Right. Uh, it includes numbers, numbers, Deuteronomy, and um, Leviticus as well. Mm-hmm. So the account itself is for four different books, but mm-hmm. the book of Exodus also includes some of that. And we looked at Exodus 12. We talked about the Passover lamb in that text. Mm-hmm. And we also talked about the Passover as a celebration and how both of those pointed to Christ. Well, there's another component in this account in Exodus 12 that we want to talk about because it's just it's just as important. Absolutely. And it also points to Christ as well. And it's this idea of unleavened bread. Yes. Unleavened bread. So I'm going to read from that account and we can kind of give them an overview of what we talked about last week. But this is as they're preparing to be delivered out of Egypt. Uh, the 10th plague is coming. Yep. And we talked about the firstborn and the importance of the firstborn. And how God himself told them that they were to prepare their homes yeah. uh, for this exodus, for this final judgment, this final plague that was going to happen on the firstborn. And you told them last week, <laughs> the, the plague was for firstborn. Period. So everybody, everybody was under that plague, quote, quote unquote, under that plague. But it was what was covering them under that that, that protected them. And that yeah. was that Passover lamb with the doorpost yeah, and the and, blood. And, 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 you know, I really want to encourage everyone to go listen uh, to, left for, to last week's uh, lesson mm-hmm. if they were not uh, a part of it. Um, if you haven't listened to it already, I really want you to listen to it because it's very, very critical to grasp as we're looking for Christ in this passage mm-hmm. that the death plague or the 10th the plague of, of, of the Exodus was that the death angel would come and kill all the firstborn man and animal in everyone's house. Yep. That's Egyptian and Israelite. But Israel was given a special exemption because they were allowed to use the, the blood of the lamb. It was a symbol that something had already died. Therefore, the death angel did not need to take a life from that house. That is, mm. we see that's Christ for us, mm. that, that, the, that the wages of sin is death, yeah. that all of us deserve it. Yeah. But when you apply the blood of Christ to your life mm. in the same way that when that judgment comes, we will have been covered already. Something has already died in our place as a substitute yeah. for us. And then there's something else that he talks about in that account that we passed over last mm-hmm. week. <laughs> yeah. And no pun intended. See, see what I did there? <laughs> you see what I did there? That we're going to address this week because it also speaks of uh, Christ being found in this text uh, outside of the Passover and that that lamb there. So I want to start here in verse number seven um, in Exodus chapter 12. And it says, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts. You just talked about that. And the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire. And here's the part with unleavened bread. Mm-hmm. and bitter herbs shall they eat it. So now he's commanding them to not just eat this Passover lamb, but there's another component to it. Yeah. There's this unleavened bread, and then he adds another component, bitter herbs. Bitter herbs. Bitter herbs there. So let's talk a little bit about the unleavened bread, just so we can get some context here. Um, so, so what is the unleavened bread in this text, and why do we need to have unleavened bread as we're preparing to leave Egypt here in this text? Well, first of all, the question is, what is leaven? <laughs> Number one. <laughs> does, does, does anyone outside of the church and, and, and Bible use that term in 2022? No, leaven. I just go to the store and I get my good bread right. from the shelf. I don't know anything about leaven. Yeah, leaven is just yeast. Yeah. It's that which makes uh, the bread rise, mm-hmm. uh, gives it its kind of that texture that we all love a good a good fluffy biscuit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We want you know you go to the store and you squeeze all the bread to see which is the light fluffy mm-hmm. kind of bread. Um, leaven is the yeast. It it's an active uh, culture that really makes the bread alive, and mm-hmm. you know you leave it there for a while, mm-hmm. 
give it time, give the bread time to rise. Well, the the issue in the Exodus is that when it was time to go, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. And so we did not have time to let the bread rise. Yeah. So the idea, just from a practical point of view for them, is, and remember, we, we talked about it last week for those who were a part of it, and if you were not, I really, really want to encourage you to go back and listen. Um, they were to eat with their coats on, mm-hmm. with their walking sticks in their hand, their shoes on their feet. They weren't to... Normally, you were at a family feast like this. You lounged around. You laid back. You know, this was the first <laughs> historical incident of fast food, maybe. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? This is get it on the go mm. kind of food. And the, th- that was part of it. The unleavened bread was a part of it. We don't have time for the bread to rise. When it's mm. time to go, it's time to go. Mm. And so we're just going to put the ingredients of the bread together, but we're going to leave out the yeast because mm. we don't have time for mm. that. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the initial reason for it, and I, I think Exodus twelve continues in that way. Pastor John, yeah. does it not to explain? It does. Yeah, any good baker will tell you it takes time to make that bread because the yeast has to has to have that active agency going on there. So let's look at uh, chapter twelve, verse thirty nine, because it helps you understand why they had to go unleavened. So uh, verse number thirty nine, and they baked unleavened cakes of dough. This is. So they got the instructions before, but this is them actually doing the instructions that they were given. Verse number 39, they baked the unleavened cakes of the dough that they had bought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened. Here's the because. Because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Yeah. So that, that just goes back to what you said. They they couldn't wait. There yeah. was This was a hasty move they had to get going so god required them to use this unleavened bread yeah but then he adds this bitter herb element yeah yeah that not only do i want it unleavened but i want you to add some bitter herbs to it Mm -hmm. some bitter herbs to it yeah and 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 you know we've we've been privileged at saint mark to um kind of engage in a um in a rough reenactment of Passover mm. uh, here, and uh, one of the things that you um, that we do is is it's partially soaked in kind of salt water to remind us of the tears of Egypt, uh, and then there's the horseradish uh, is what we use. The mm-hmm. idea is that that it, it it's supposed to sting. Mm-hmm. Um, the bitter herb for for Israel was to remind them of the hardship of slavery, yeah. of the pain of their past so that they would appreciate the, the privileges of their liberty um, and the and the method that God used to bring them out. Um, but then if we are again to find Christ in the bitter herbs, mm. uh, it is Christ who takes the bitter cup of God's wrath mm. uh, on our behalf. Mm. Uh, that, 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 that's why he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew uh, 26 and says, if it's possible, yeah. let this cup pass from me. Mm. Uh, he tells his disciples, when James and John's mom, uh, probably Jesus' aunt, comes to him and says, hey, let James sit on one side and John sit on the other side in your coming kingdom mm. uh, in Mark chapter 10. And he says, well, can they drink the cup can you drink it? that I drink from? Yeah. It, he's talking about the cup of suffering that comes from these bitter herbs. So that's the same idea. It's the, it's the harshness. It's the, it's the pain. It's the agony. It's, it should bring a tear. It's supposed to bring a tear uh, to your eye. Uh, mm. and, and it's amazing when you look at all of those components of the Passover, how Christ is in each and every one of, of those components. The, that, that bitter herb, and I think, man, I think sometimes generationally, uh, you talk about the old generation. Right. I think sometimes generationally we forget that, that a little bit of bitter is supposed to be a part of our experience so that we can understand and appreciate the sweet. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and there's no way to follow Jesus without some of that bitter herb in your life. <laughs> it just and, doesn't happen. You know, the crazy thing is a lot of people eat food that way. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta have the combo to make yeah. it go down better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have yeah. a little bit of bitter with the sweet, yeah. right? And we don't necessarily approach our lives like that because 
you know, we've been told in some instances, we've been sold this idea that life with Jesus is supposed to be always sweet. Yeah, like well, well, he gets sweeter. <laughs> he gets sweeter as the days, days go, go by. Yeah, he, he does, but that don't mean everybody else does. <laughs> so it's, it is a reminder that um, in this life, as we are navigating this life, that there there is going to be some bitter that is mixed in there, mm-hmm. but also reminds us of the fact that he also partook of that bitterness um, yeah. and, and the cup that we couldn't partake of. Yeah, he whatever, whatever, as bitter as it is for you, I promise you, it was the cross was much more bitter. It was bitterer. <laughs> bitterer for him, <laughs> much more than it could ever be mm-hmm. uh, for you and I. And so that, you know, that that it's amazing to me that roasted lamb, um, unleavened bread, bitter herbs, all of these things, uh, including the, the the wine they would drink with the Passover, all of those things together, uh, each component speaks to mm. the life ministry of Jesus Christ. And this 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 un, this unleavened bread mm. is an amazing one, Pastor John. Let's, I, I want to dig deeper into it because I'm holding myself back from a few things. <laughs> but so this was a, this was a week long event. They mm. had to do this for seven days, and and God was so serious about this command. Listen to what he says in verse number 19 and verse number 12 for seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses if anyone eats what is leavened that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel Mm -hmm. whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land you shall not eat nothing you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread yeah He's serious about this commandment. Very serious. Because if you eat of leavened bread in this context, then maybe it's saying you're not ready. You're not ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must want to stay. We're gonna kick you out. Um, it, it really is a, a, a under threat of excommunication. Yeah, it is. Um, to the degree that one of the one of the um, r- ritual ceremonial mm. things mm. Um, at the Passover is for there to be a little broom mm. uh, to sweep, as it were off the top of the table in case there's any leaven left over. It's, mm. it's one of those mm. uh, symbolic things. Um, that, that idea of, of how serious it is uh, for God that, that this leaven, in fact, this is the origin of, this is what births Mardi Gras. Mm. Mm. Um, people don't, don't, a lot of people don't realize that's why you have Fat Tuesday uh, mm-hmm. and you eat all the pancakes. You, the idea is you to, you're to take all of the flour and the leaven, and you're to eat it up. It's got to be gone <laughs> prior to the start for Catholics and mm-hmm. other others who participate prior to the start of Lent. It is that comes from this origin, mm-hmm. getting the leaven, getting all of the yeast yeah. out of yeah. the house. And, um, and it, when we get into the New Testament, we'll talk about what, what that yeast and leaven symbolizes. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about calendars, because I think that's going to be important for what we're talking about with unleavened bread, because the Jewish folks had a calendar, mm-hmm. um, just like we have a calendar today, but it's different. Yes. I think that's one of the things that really gets people not understanding the Jewish calendar and how it possibly could align with ours or not understanding that it doesn't align with ours. Right. So the Jewish calendar starts in March mm-hmm. in our dating period. Yep. So as opposed to January. So our calendar is based on the Julian Gregorian calendar, which mm-hmm. is um, Gregorian is a, he was a Pope, a Catholic, Catholic Pope who uh, took the Julian calendar, adjusted a little bit for leap years, which we have every four years. And that calendar runs from January to December. The yep. calendar that we have based on ancient Roman gods, you got Jonas, God at the beginning. January. You mm-hmm. got um, August, is based on Augustus. Augustus uh, um, Caesar. He named a month after himself. <laughs> he named July after Julius Caesar, his mm-hmm. uncle and predecessor. Yep. Uh, those kinds of things. Um, and and then you get uh, months like because of the Julian calendar was originally ten months. Mm-hmm. That's why November, which is our eleventh month, is named nine. November for nine and December, the ten. ten yep. Because they were originally ten, and these other two months were added um, in, in the middle. Um, October is eight, September is yeah. seven. So even though they're the <laughs> now the ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th month, uh, July and August added. Uh, the, uh, the idea is, um, and God explicitly says this, mm-hmm. Pastor John, at the beginning of chapter 12. We talked about it a bit last week, but God says 
this calendar is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yep. He says it in chapter 12, verse 2. two. Yep. This month shall be the begin for you, the beginning of months. Yep. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Which presupposes that the culture around them yes. weren't celebrating that particular calendar. So those calendars are based on lunar cycles, the, the cycles of the sun and the moon and the planets. They, that's what they were. They looked up into space and said, these are the cycles. God says to Israel, I want you to look beyond space and see in the spirit that life starts when I set you free. And that's why you have this different calendar for Jews and for uh, those who were the descendants of mm-hmm. of these of, of persons who were set free miraculously by these ten plagues. Mm-hmm. And this is why the Feast of Unleavened Bread is so important because it starts the year. The beginning of the calendar. It starts yeah. the year. Yeah, that's good. So the beginning of their calendar is called Abib, and later on during Babylonian captivity, they change it to the word Nisan, mm-hmm. kind of just to adopt the culture. We talked about that before. So this is around March, April, our time. Mm-hmm. So in that time period, spring, this is when the, the, fe- the Feast of Unleavened Bread shows up. Now, there are seven total Jewish feasts yeah. in the Jewish experience, and we can touch on them briefly here, but they are Passover. Eleventh bread, uh, first fruits, feast of weeks, uh, feast of trumpets, day of atonement, and then the feast of tabernacles. Now these are God appointed feasts. All these appear in Leviticus twenty three, mm-hmm. um, and God just lays out each one of the feasts in that chapter. Yeah. And then there are also two man made feasts that mm-hmm. are added to the Jewish calendar. Uh, one of them is Purim which uh, recounts the experience of Esther, Esther. Uh, in the book of Esther. And then the other is Hanukkah, which yeah. uh, recounts the Maccabean revolt that happened in Hebrew culture. And Jesus actually celebrated Hanukkah in scripture. When they, when they talk about the feast of dedication mm-hmm. uh, in the gospels, Jesus is going to a place in the feast of dedication. So he's affirming mm-hmm. even the feast that they put in place yes. uh, based on Purim and for Hanukkah as and, well. And, and those are historical markers for a, for, for the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Purim, we talked about, we taught on Esther a few, a couple of years ago, I think um, in 2020 or 2021, we talked on Esther. Mm-hmm. I talked through the book of Esther uh, and, and the miraculous way God used Esther to, to, to save her people, uh, as a, as a leader and as a, as a government official. And then, uh, Hanukkah, that, that time period between the old Testament and the new Testament, uh, saw several attempts by the people of God, by the Jewish people to get free mm-hmm. of their Greek oppressors and Roman oppressors. One of those was called the Maccabean revolt. And, uh, they celebrate that period. That's what they celebrate Hanukkah, uh, during that time. But these seven feasts of Leviticus 23, among them, uh, this Passover, which is the beginning and then right on the heels of it yeah. is this feast of unleavened bread, mm-hmm. seven days with no yeast, not just in your body, but not even in the house. Yeah, and they're so closely associated that they are conflated later on yes. to be the Passover and unleavened bread kind of celebrated together yes. because Passover happens one day mm-hmm. and then the day following it and then the unleavened bread happens for the next seven days. Yeah, the idea is, and we see it in, in again in, in verse 39, we see you eat the Passover, they bake the unleavened bread and then they leave because they don't have time mm. And so that's what they eat for those first seven days of liberty or freedom, the start of their new year, start of their new life, Mm -hmm. seven days of unleavened bread. Yeah. And so then we have first fruits, we have Pentecost, all these happen springtime. Mm -hmm. And we see this, we don't use the, uh, the calendar with Pentecost and others that, that other denominations and churches use, but uh, they try to replicate them based on the season. So yeah. all this happens in the fall and then the, the later, the trumpets and the others happen, I mean, in the spring and then the later happen in the fall time. Yeah. And, and, and those feasts are around the time of planting and harvest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what you see with the Feast of Weeks um, or what we call Pentecost and First Fruits, uh, you're talking about those, you're talking about when they, had, they were ready to harvest. Uh, so the first fruit is, first thing that comes up out of the ground is that's God's. So you bring that, you sacrifice that, it belongs to God. It's a picture of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Mm -hmm. them, prior to Christ, it was a a sacrifice that was uh, one of faith. 
um, and one of gratitude for God's provision. So it, it said, God, thank you that there is a harvest. It said, um, so we're going to bring the first part of that to you because you are our priority. Then it was, I, we trust you with the rest of the harvest. <laughs> right. Uh, so we're going to give this away to you because we know you're going to handle the rest of the harvest is going to be blessed. Mm. Um, and so that was that was first fruits and then the Feast of Weeks, which was seven days for seven weeks, 49 days. Pentecost was that 50th day. Um, in the same way that for New Testament believers speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ is the first fruits. Yeah of the dead, we are a kind of first fruits. And then Pentecost, that seven weeks later, speaks of the birthing of the church, the harvest, the rest of us <laughs> uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit because of the resurrection. Yeah, and during that Jesus feast, Christ. they would show up and bring two different pieces of bread and place them there to represent the Jews, Gentiles, the harvest of the new people coming into the fold. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And we don't have time on this episode, <laughs> but the but the Pentecost bread, Pastor John, mm. was leavened bread. Yep, it was. There was there was yeast in Pentecost bread. When you brought that offering, there was yeast there. Mm. There was no yeast mm. earlier. Mm. First fruits, <laughs> yep. there was no yeast. So the 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 what pic, the picture of the resurrection. I'm going to ruin the episode now. <laughs> the picture of the resurrection, yeast or leaven represents sin. Mm. So when you see without yeast, you're seeing without sin. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get to the Pentecost, that's the church. That, that's a picture of the church. It says we are not sinless. <laughs> our, our Savior, our sacrifice, Passover, unleavened bread, yep. first fruits, yep. sinless. Us. Not so much, <laughs> not so much. Um, and, and you realize the, the importance of the unleavened bread mm. when you get to the fact that God receives leavened bread because he's already had the unleavened. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, so let's talk a little bit about the um, instructions right quick. I think we already talked about the fact that um, anyone who ate the bread in that period was cut off from the people. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. But also, we we learn in chapter 12 that it's a permanent ordinance. Mm-hmm. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, verse number 17. For on this very day I bought your, your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. Yeah. And we talked about this last time that since that day. Yes the Jewish folks have observed this Feast of Unleavened Bread because it was a permanent ordinance for them. Pastor John, I think it's very important for us to grasp one of the great applicational principles of Scripture is to know who is being talked to. We have some New Testament believers in Christ who say, well, we should be keeping these feasts (laughs) as well. Yep. Because it says it's a statute throughout all your generations forever. Yep. And if all we had was Exodus in isolation, mm-hmm. you could perhaps make that argument. Yeah. But we also have the book of Acts. That's right. And we have the writings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, which say explicitly that people who come to faith in Christ who are not of Jewish heritage, mm-hmm. biologically, naturally, are not beholden to these laws practically. We are to see the spiritual principle. We are to see them fulfilled in Christ. We are to read them to understand Christ in them, Mm. to trust Christ and to follow Christ Mm. when understanding them. But we are not going to be held accountable by God for not keeping, for not sitting our families down with a roast lamb (laughs) uh, during these time periods and, and celebrating in the way that the Jewish uh, community does now. I think it's a very healthy and edifying practice. Yeah, I think so too. To either watch it or participate in it. It is. It is indeed faith building, mm. but it is not a command to those of us mm. in the way it is for them because this was their heritage. Yeah, and if you take everything, and we mentioned this before, if you take everything in the, the book of the law, yeah, and tried to 
follow it. It yeah. would crush you. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the purpose of it. The, 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 <laughs> the intent is to point to Jesus in, for everybody, for right. the whole wide world. Um, and I think it's critical that we, we, we grasp that um, because we have some of our, 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 some of our family members, loved ones who are in movements who suggest that we have to go back to the law keep it perfectly in order to honor Christ. Mm. And that's actually what dishonors Christ because mm. it says he's not sufficient. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, to, to see people in that kind of bondage in an attempt to honor Christ is heartbreaking. And, and it's one of the things we have to lovingly share mm. uh, with, with our friends and, and neighbors and loved ones that this is, this is a command to the Jews, we got that's the immediate audience. That is the immediate application for them. Yeah. The application for us is to see Christ in it, and to trust Him and follow Him. Mm. Yeah. You know. One other thing I wanted to point out in chapter number thirteen, I think also can be instructive for us in terms of um, the familial part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at verses six through eight here. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall be a sign to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with the strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. This was this was testimony too, man. Oh man! <laughs> so so the text says it is. Be- I mean, you want to know why? Like when your kids ask you why, mm-hmm. let me tell you. This is an opportunity for you to share what God did to rescue you out of Egypt. Man, listen, I just like the very personal pronoun yeah right <laughs> it's not what the lord did for us mm. it's what the lord did for me i love mm. that mm. i i just i got my good friend core just says you know i really shout and celebrate when i think about what mm. the fact that jesus died for you for for us mm. Mm. i'm really happy when i hear that he died for you That's so good but man if you really want to get me running around the church <laughs> Tell me he died for me, (laughs) you know, the the, the personal nature of that, Mm. um, that individual testimony, that individual ownership of bondage and then liberty that we then pass down um, in in those family moments is so critical. And Mm. uh, and uh, and he's talking to them collectively, but Mm. then he moves in. You have to say he did it for me. I need you to tell your kids in your household. He did it for me. (laughs) He did it for me. If we were in church, I would say touch touch somebody say he did it for me. He did it for me. So let's talk about the unleavened bread in the promised land, because mm-hmm. there's a couple different differences that we see in the practice in the promised land that are very interesting and instructive for us here um, that I want to hit on. And oh, man, we this time is running short. We're going to make gonna it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. All right. So Deuteronomy 16. And what I want to look at here. So the unleavened bread in the promised land. These are instructions for the unleavened bread in the promised land. And look at verse number two. You talked about it, uh, verse one, being in the month of Abib, the first month, right? Verse two, and you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God, God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. Mm-hmm. So previously, offer it in your house. Right. Now, it's interesting because they're, they're now in the promised land. Mm-hmm. They're settled. But now he's saying offer it where the, at the place where the Lord will choose. Yeah. It, it, so when, you're, when they were in Egypt, they were coming out, practically speaking, coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could not have this collective festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, together yeah. Yep. in front of the Egyptians because they'd be like, "What y'all doing? <laughs> Where y'all think y'all going?" Yep. Kind of deal. Um, now we're we're approaching the Promised Land. Moses is giving his farewell addresses. At most of the Book of Exodus mm. is the construction of the tabernacle. 
Yeah. Very detailed, specific layout, form, format, um, practices to wash things this way, this number of times. Priests do this, sew this together, make this out of gold, make this out of silver, everything, make this out of badger skin, make this this color, very specific. Now, God has chosen that the tabernacle would be the meeting place between God and the nation of Israel. So when he says you'll offer it at the place that the Lord will choose to put his name, he's talking about the tabernacle. Mm. He's talking about a centralized place of, of worship that everyone can come at the same time. Mm. The idea is what you'll see in Leviticus 23 is that everybody was supposed to come all together, yep. one big family now, mm. not in our individual houses, but in what we would then call the house of God. Mm. Now, you, everybody still has to bring their lamb. <laughs> everybody has to bring their lamb right. or their goat uh, and, uh, and that kind of thing. But we're all coming together mm. to celebrate communally mm. this, this experience of exodus that God has granted yeah. us. And there's something about that collective celebration mm. that's important for the people, especially for folks in our context who say, I got my own relationship with God mm. and I'm doing my own thing and individually. Well, well, God sees the value in celebrating this rescue, not just in your household, mm -hmm. which is important also, yeah. but also coming together as a community and sharing that shared experience together as a group. Yeah. And, you know, and listen, we are in a in a hybrid world, Pastor John. We are in a, you know, uh, in a in a virtual spaces. We're doing this virtually. Uh, we, we trust that God's spirit can connect and 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 unite us across the airways. But with with physical distancing mm. as a reality probably now till Jesus comes in some way there is also the reality that we've got to grasp the significance of spiritual unity despite physical distancing mm. you still need a body of believers to to connect with and to do these kinds of celebrations with even if it's virtual it can't be individual that's good yeah. Did you hear what I told you? Look at me. Even when it's virtual, it shouldn't just be individual. Mm. There is a there is a necessary fellowship connective component to this thing called following Jesus <laughs> <laughs> that we cannot. And so, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not talking about the physical connection, mm. a physical coming together. I'm talking about the spiritual unity that is necessary that that engaging with other believers in Christ um, as they were to do in these celebrations and feasts is a part of, of what it means to follow Jesus in a real way. Mm. You know? Yeah, that's good. So let's go to New Testament and talk about a upper room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not the one that most of y'all are thinking. We're in Mark chapter 14 and Starting in verse number 12. <clears throat> so uh, Judas has uh, already went to the chief priest to betray Jesus. Um, and now we are in ver chapter, verse number 12 where it says, On the first day of unleavened bread. So we're in the feast of unleavened bread, mm -hmm. right in the middle of it. When they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say the master of, to the master of this house, the teacher says, where's my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready there. Prepare, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just like he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So so we have here this feast of unleavened bread. They're right in the middle of it. And Jesus tells his disciples, hey, I got a spot, I got a spot for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so now we're right in the middle of this feast of unleavened bread. And then Jesus shows up and said, hey, I want to sit down with you all. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, you know. You, you recognize how important these passages are in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy when you recognize that these are the passages by which mm -hmm. Jesus governed his life. Yep. 
yeah. and that he demonstrates to his disciples who he is. Mm-hmm. That, that the reason we are to see him there is because we talked about it, I believe, last week. He sees himself there. Mm. And so he he knows what time it is. He he grew up as a good Jewish boy celebrating this mm-hmm. feast every year, and he knew what it was pointing to. He knew the the particulars and the details of how it reveals who he is. And so he makes it a point to say, "All right, mm-hmm. it's time for me to actually do what I've come to do, yeah. which is to sacrifice myself on the cross." And so I'm going to use this historical spiritual experience mm. to point them to who I really am so that they can truly be redeemed. And and Jesus honored those Old Testament practices. Again, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came no. to fulfill it. So as a good Jewish person, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to be at every feast. Yeah. And he used those opportunities to point the disciples to himself and they didn't understand it always mm-hmm. initially. No. Uh, but at the same time, we see Jesus actually honoring and appreciating the old testament which is instructive for us as well oh god oh goodness it the only bible jesus had that's it was the old testament (laughs) the bible he preached from Mm -hmm. was the old testament yeah the one he uses we talked about it uh with in in the gospel of luke the one he uses uh on the road to emmaus to explain who he is to those disciples who didn't recognize him It was the Old Testament. If 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 Jesus can preach from it, mm. surely you and I should study. <laughs> if if He decided to govern, He governed His. When we say He was, you know, He was the perfect Lamb of God and mm. kept all of the law of God. Well, mm. it's the law of the Old Testament. If He governed His life by it, it's something we should That's good. at least have some familiarity with. I would suggest. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So how do we find Jesus in the unleavened bread? Well, several verses later, mm-hmm. uh, as they were eating, verse twenty-two, He took the bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, so here Jesus takes this bread mm-hmm. and breaks it and gives it to them and then redefines mm-hmm. what it means for them yeah it, it, it wasn't just because we were in a hurry all <laughs> it was that mm-hmm. but let me let me give you something to, it, it is representative of of my body yeah which is which is the, the term broken there mean mean means pierced um, the bones of Jesus would not be broken uh, that's a part of the prophecy of uh, Psalm 22 um, his bones would not be broken but his flesh would be ripped mm-hmm. Um, by the uh, thorns, by the whip, the cat of nine tails, that leather strap that had sheep bone and, and metal uh, b- kind of ball bearings in it, so to speak. Um, his flesh would be ripped by the nails. Mm. P- you know, the splintering of the cross would dig into his back that had been whipped. Um, the, the His feet would be spiked, so his flesh was ripped apart mm. uh, in several places, probably split as they punched him and kicked him and, and mm. done, uh, did all of the torturous things uh, to shame him and mock him. Because the cross, John, is not just to kill you. That's not the point. The Romans had ways to kill you that were quick and, and easy. And easy. <laughs> they just cut your head off. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they knew how to, they would, you know, slit a thread and it was quick and easy. The point of the cross was shame. That was the point of it. Yeah. The point was to embarrass you for a long time and that's why they you know mm. we calvary is on a road mm. it's on the highway <laughs> it's a billboard yeah. to roman power yeah. it's a hanging human billboard to roman might you don't mess with rome that's the idea mm. um and so they ripped apart his flesh in, in several places and in several ways and he says that unleavened bread mm. that you've been eating all your life is actually all, all your life you've been breaking that up, mm. that's that's really that's really been getting you ready to see what I'm getting ready to do for you. And he's like, and you thought that was bitter. Yeah. Just you wait. Yeah. Just you wait. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about another bread mm-hmm. in Scripture because the manna <laughs> that we see in the book of Exodus yeah. is a different type, different bread that shows up. 
And everybody knows this word manna, but the Israelites didn't even know what it was. As a matter of fact, the word manna means what is it? <laughs> what, what this is. <laughs> we don't know what it is. What this is. They tasted it, didn't know what it was, and they called it what is it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the, the Greek word is manna that, that we use there, but that Hebrew word most scholars believe me, means what is it. Yeah. We really can't tell what it is. Yeah, and, and, and it could have been, uh, some suggest it's onomatopoeia, mm. kind of like, huh? <laughs> right, you know what I mean. Like, like it's more of a noise than a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, eh, what, huh? You know, right. Um, and that's what they that that's what this is a divine provision. Mm. You know, which is yeah. Let, let's read it then. So here's the crazy part about it, though. They just sang a song. <laughs> they just sang a song about their deliverance. <laughs> Like they just celebrated tambourines and everything. <laughs> they are listen. They are fresh off the death angel passing them by. Fresh out the Red Sea, mm-hmm. they turned around and saw Pharaoh's army drown. Yep. Miriam picks up a tambourine, starts beating it. I mean, this is a shout. Yep. This is not. Mm-hmm. This is not. Oh God is good. This is a good old. This yeah. is percussion, <laughs> and this is a full-on right. hullapalooza, run around, war cry, God made it fail. They're doing all of that. That's it. They're doing all of that. And then, just like good church folk. <laughs> Look at what happens. Because, you know, you got to eat after good church. That's it. You, you need the first thing you got to do after good church. Get you some grub. Is get you something to eat. So chapter 16, verse 1, then they set out from Elam. And all the congregation of people Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation, the whole congregation, every one of them, of the people of Israel, grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, that this is revisionist history. Oh gosh, oh gosh! <laughs> For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly with hunger. Pastor John, we don't have time to go back to Exodus chapter three, but if we did, we will hear God tell Moses, "I have heard the cries of, of the people, people, yeah, yeah, and I have come down to deliver them, yeah." Egypt wasn't fun it wasn't. and funny and good and cute. They couldn't stand Egypt. They lo- they wanted more than anything to be out of it. Yeah. But as soon as they get out of it, mm. they revise the history and say, mm. man. The meat pots. <laughs> <laughs> they had a full course meal, Sh- apparently. The show, show was good. And you remember how good it was in Egypt? No. It was not good. It was not good at all. <laughs> and know. then what we got here, the Lord said to Moses, verse number four, behold, I am about to bring rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Mm -hmm. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So so the people grumble. God hears them grumbling Mm -hmm. and then he, he provides for them supernaturally. Yes, sir. So verse 13, I'm going to skip down. In the e- evening, the quail came up, covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Huh? <laughs> For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So here's what we got here. This bread from heaven that they don't know what it is, that God supernaturally provides for them in the wilderness. Um, Elsewhere, we hear it called in Psalm 78, the bread of angels, Mm -hmm. the bread of angels that the psalmist calls that. I think it's Asaph that calls it that. So this manna shows up. They're provided for in the wilderness by this miracle bread. You think they'd be good, man? Listen. They wake up in the morning. This is this is a, it, it's and they would they would kind of grind it and make it 
into a flour right. and make these kind of like uh, cake, little yeah, little whole cakes <laughs> or, or hot water cornbread <laughs> kind of situation going on. Um, and and this was they didn't have to plant. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere to plant. Nope. They didn't have to reap. They didn't have to sift it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and toss the wheat. You know you have to get the bad part off of it, but would toss the wheat up in and get the wind, would take what we call the chaff or the unusable part, mm. blow it away, and then have it, then you would have to grind that, then bake that. No, just, just direct mm. from God on top of the ground, no digging, no <laughs> searching, mm. every day, mm. every day. Yeah, yeah. And then they would have to specifically, he told them, I need you to collect this for this day. Just one, just enough for the day. This day alone, don't collect no more. On the sixth day, I'll give you two days worth. Mm-hmm. But today, just get today's, eat today's because look at the word he says. I want to test them mm-hmm. to see if they're gonna walk in my law. the The test is not just some random test of obedience. The test mm-hmm. is, right. will you trust me for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's and good. man, is that not the question God asks each of us? Every, every single day. Every single day. Mm-hmm. Will you trust me to take care of your tomorrow? Take care of what I've given you to do today. Mm-hmm. And will you trust me for tomorrow? And that's what he says in verse 20. He says, and if you don't, what you have collected outside of what I've instructed you is going to grow wormy mm-hmm. and foul. Yep. It's going to be unedible mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you disobeyed me. Yep. Because you disobeyed me. So let's talk about manna as their chief source of food uh but then it stops yes at some point yes then it stops right yeah i'm going to look at both of these passages together because they are really 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 important okay let's look at exodus 16 35 and i'm going to read yes people of israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now, let's talk about when they make it there in Joshua. Look at Joshua 5 and verse number 12 is where it mentions it. I'm going to read 10, too. Yes. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. Mm. And look at what happens. And the the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel. But... They ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. As soon as they got there, it's, they were able to eat of the produce of the promised it's, land. It's, it, it's all together. It's the first Passover in the promised land. Mm. Mm. First one, they are in Gilgal, which literally, literally means the place of the cutting. Mm. They have crossed over the Jordan River. So now 40 years after the initial exodus, they're just beginning to possess the promised land under Joshua now. Moses is dead, but the law is still intact. Celebrate the Passover. Don't forget I brought you out of Egypt. Tell your children what I've done for you. So this is the generation, this wilderness babies is what these are. These are. Mm-hmm. They're getting circumcised, which was the sign of covenant, cutting away of the foreskin of the males. They stay at this place, the cutting place, to heal, mm-hmm. and it's now time for Passover. Mm-hmm. Remember what God has done. All these babies knew was manna. Mm. That's all they knew. Mm. Yep. They had only ever eaten manna. That's all they had. Yeah. They had never tasted grain from the ground. <laughs> they had only had bread from heaven. Mm. Mm. And this, and as soon as they taste this grain from the ground. Mm. They don't need the bread from heaven anymore. And it is an amazing picture of the transition of provision because before they could not reap, they could not plant, Mm. they could not harvest because they were in the wilderness. But now God has given them, as it were, um, 
another level of responsibility mm. to participate in their own provision. Mm, mm, mm. You know what I mean? And I, it really is a flashback to Genesis, the Genesis account, mm-hmm. where Adam was told to work the land and till the land. Yeah. And that he was able to produce from the fruit of the land and partake of the fruit of the land as well. Pastor John, I would venture to say, and this may, this is some, somewhat allegorical, mm-hmm. um, but I would, I'm going to take pastoral license to say, this is what we're trying to do with this study. Mm-hmm. We're trying to take you from just eating <laughs> manna, where, where we give you principles, but you don't know where they came from. Mm-hmm. You don't know where we, you know, we, we, we can explain this is from this meat, this word means that, and you, and you just take our word for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of manna, preaching, teaching, to a place where you reap from the ground mm. of the scripture, <laughs> mm. and you're able to feed yourself in such a way that 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 the that the that the word of God becomes bread for you in a way that you have more responsibility for, to feed yourself. People leave churches all the time saying, I'm not mm. being fed. That's not the church's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The church the church is here for accountability and corporate worship, for you to use your gifts for the glory of God, for other people to use their gifts to help you grow. We're here to lead and shepherd. You're supposed to feed yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to lead you to the pasture, but you got to put your head down and eat sometimes. Mm. Um, mm. And, and in the same way, there's a maturity that you see here, mm. maturing from manna mm. uh, to 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 some agrarian agricultural responsibility mm. based on the fact that God has brought them to a land where they could they can reap for themselves. Wow. So there's an expectation that we're a full service restaurant yeah. when y'all need to be in the kitchen yourselves. You're right, you're right. <laughs> cooking right. up your own meals. Yeah, I mean y'all want us to door dash it and you want me to cook it and <laughs> deliver and it. Deliver yeah, it. yeah. So I wanna I wanna talk about John six mm. here as we talk about um, this manner, because I think this is the New Testament passage that really hones in on this idea of Christ finding Christ in this passage. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ has earlier in this text, and and remember, John shapes his gospel around feast. Yes, and so we're in the middle of a second feast that he introduces in chapter six, which is the Passover. Yep. Aha. Uh-huh. So now Jesus turns around and starts teaching about this idea of being the bread of life. And it's offensive, (laughs) to say the least. So let's read uh, John chapter 6. And I am going to, where do I want to start? 28. Okay, so let me give you some context. Um, He comes, he talks about him being the bread of life. Uh, So here's what they say to him. They say, what do we got to do? Right, because they're doing people, the Jewish people. What do we have to do to do the works of God? And and Jesus says to them, um, "Here's what I want you to do." Uh, he said, "This is the work that you believe." Mm-hmm. What? That's not work. <laughs> right. Just believe, right? Uh, so they said to him, uh, verse number thirty. Uh, then what sign do you give us that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat jesus said to them truly truly i say to you it was not moses who gave you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world they said to him sir give us this bread let me me press pause let me press pause here's the real thing they're saying you wants to follow you Mm mm-hmm do something like Moses did. We need another Moses experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We want, we want. Moses gave them bread, and he yeah. said, "Wait, wait, slow down." Mm-hmm. First of all, no, <laughs> Moses <laughs> didn't give nobody bread. <laughs> Moses had no bread to give nobody. Mm-hmm. My father did that, mm-hmm. and yeah, that bread is still available. And they say, "I give it to us." This is this is where it gets sticky. I just want to set the scene. This is where it gets sticky, John. So he says, uh, what verse we at? 35. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I'll raise him up in the last day. And they grumbled at him. <laughs> That's what happens. Uh, is this not the son of Joseph, they say? And whose father and mother is he? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Uh, Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last, last day. So he keeps talking about this bread of, lang- uh, bread of heaven language, and then they say, how is it that this man is going to give us his flesh to eat? Yeah. That's what they're thinking about. They're like, hey, this is some type of flesh-eating cult, and we're, mm. not, we're not here for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they, so Jesus is explicitly, once again, identifying that the Old Covenant, the mm. Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, Pastor John, all those things, that manna mm. is me, yeah. clearly. Mm. This is what he's saying. Manna, me. You see manna, mm. see me. When mm. you see manna in the Bible, see me. Mm. Well, he makes that explicit. Yeah. The problem is the, this community that he's immediately talking to mm. cannot grasp the spiritual significance of it. Mm. They, are, they are hard-hearted, and they are fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. They have eyes, that, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Paul will later say that the God of this world has blinded their eyes mm. uh, so that they do not come to the knowledge of the truth. We, however, are to see that what Jesus is identifying with is the God-given miraculous provision for our souls, that we are to be fed, full, nurtured, Mm. strengthened, all the things that that bread is supposed to do. We are to be we, we this is not a keto <laughs> diet we are to have carbs right. we are to be energized mm. by christ and uh, the one thing that satisfies our hunger in our wilderness wandering yes. is the manna is the manna is the manna yeah in this text we need christ to satisfy our souls and i think that a lot of people i know that that's the issue of the world and i think that's a lot of issue of some of us in the church we won't we 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 will not see the satisfaction Mm. being offered Mm. and therefore we do not search for it in Jesus alone Mm. Mm. as the only source as the only means for satisfying the soul it it can only be in Christ he is the only manna (laughs) that God gives humankind yeah, there's only one other instance where bread comes from heaven, mm-hmm. and that's the manna. Yeah. So he, he's trying to explain that yeah, to them. Yeah. And they're just like, we don't get it. Yeah. So let's look at Revelation 2 to close out here. And I think this is a good text to kind of uh, close the loop here on what we're talking about because Revelation 2 says something specific about Christ himself um, in verse number 17. Um, he was the ear. And ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a name, a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Mm-hmm. So the Apostle John is now having this heavenly vision, and he sees uh, this vision that where Christ Himself says um, that He is the hidden manna. Yeah. So, so that has a couple different meanings. Number one, that this truth, this this bread, um, isn't always clear to so many people. The Apostle Paul talks about the God of this world blinding people's eyes. So, you know, even as we talk about this revealed manna in Christ, uh, we can't be too hard on the Pharisees mm-hmm. because as people who were formerly outside of Christ, that this truth was hidden from us. And also should give us the passion to be able to share it with folks because um, they don't see it. And and for us, from our perspective, we want to uh, make that hidden manner revealed. 
mm-hmm. in people's lives and be able to share that bread with them. I'm not going to hold out some bread that I know that's good, yeah. <laughs> good eating. I'm going to give you my suggestions for restaurants if I got good eating. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to hoard them. Right. So the same thing with this manna. We do know that it's hidden uh, from people's eyes, but it's our responsibility to to reveal it as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, this this idea of this hidden manna um, is also a and a an acknowledgement of the concept of the Gnostics uh, who believe that they had some secret knowledge that the rest of the world didn't have. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they, they were special because of that. And you had to be a part of them to have the And Jesus said, you know, with their secret, the secret they think they, they have. That's me. I'm it. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, yeah. Some, yeah. some years ago, the, 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 you know, kind of new age call back to Eastern religion manifesting idea that came from the, the book and the movie and mm-hmm. the secret. And then, you know, people picked up the manifestation bug and, and it's carried on. The, the, the secret is Jesus. <laughs> He's the secret to life. That's it. Uh, we, we, we're, 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 we're done, Pastor John, but I, you know, my father does not believe. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't care what you put on the table. You can smother pork chops, <laughs> cabbage, collard greens, green beans, rice, gravy, macaroni and cheese, potatoes. I don't care what you put on the, on the table. For my father, and some of y'all Southern people know what I'm talking about, it's not a meal unless you got- until you have the bread. I'm that person. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be bread mm. in order for it to be a meal. And I think that is life mm. that whatever else you put on your life's table, if you don't have the bread of life, um, then you you're going to still be hungry. Mm. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Growth Factor Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us on this season. This has been a great session on application as we look, work through what it looks like to apply Christ to the unleavened bread and the manna passages. You don't want to miss next time. We're going to be talking about the tabernacle of God. It's going to be an amazing session. I want you to do us a favor. Go over and join our Facebook community and group. We have a great community over there called the Growth Factor. Our pastor, our online campus pastor, Pastor Chris, is shepherding that community well. So we want you to join that community as we continue to provide you with resources Also, follow, subscribe, share this podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us on this season. And as we close out the season next week, we want to make sure you all understand that this application piece is very important. And we want to help you to apply Christ to these texts. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group. The Growth Factor for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.